Praise God, everybody. Another beautiful day that the Lord has made. Let us be glad and rejoice in it. Um, happy to be here tonight. And uh, thankful for everything God's done for us today. God's awesome. He's wonderful. Um, had an awesome service last night at church. It was amazing. Uh, mighty move of God's Spirit. And, um, you know, it's, it's just it's wonderful. And uh, it's wonderful being in His presence and everything. But I'm happy to come here to you tonight, bringing forth, bringing uh, another video, another uh, teaching from the trees. Um, it's kind of an interesting one tonight. And uh, but um, you know, it's one of the trees in the Bible. Plus, it's actually two of them tonight, not just one. But one of them is a tree, and the other one is is from the family of the trees. It's um, got you know bark. Uh, kind of like a um, the same material that the tree is made out of, like a wood stalk and stuff, and the leaves and everything. It's really interesting. But um, anyways, my teaching tonight is is uh, based on the the first verse of Genesis chapter six, verses thirteen through fourteen. That's where I'm going to start my teaching tonight. That's the first verses of Genesis chapter six. And um, as you see, the title tonight is the Ark and the Hyssop. The Ark and the Hyssop. And um, the beginning here in chapter six of Genesis, verse thirteen, it says, "And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh has come up before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth." You know, basically, what was happening here is the the sin and everything. That was happening in that day was getting just it was getting so bad and and uh, man's heart was just you know um, full of wickedness and full of sin and um, there was a lot of war going on in the land and stuff and people killing people and just it was filled with violence and their hearts were filled of violent full of violence just as a horrible time and um, but that wasn't all about that had to do with around this time with Noah and another thing too is while he was building the ark. The people didn't care. You know, he was trying to tell them what was coming and tell them that destruction was coming and trying to warn the people, but none of them would listen, none of them would take heed. Kind of like today, and that's one of the things that we're having today. You know, people's trying to warn people of what's coming and warn people of, of the things that's coming to this earth, but people just don't care. And they're trying to tell, you know, trying to tell everybody that, that the Lord's coming back. You know, but they're so caught up in their own world and so caught up in their own lives and their own doings and everything that they could care less what's coming you know they don't want to hear it they don't they want to do what they want to do and, and nothing else matters you know kind of the same way it was back in noah's day you know it never rained before there's never a flood how's the earth going to flood when there's no rain it's never rained is what they was basically telling noah this has never happened you know it's never had anything like that i mean the, the water comes up from the earth it don't come from the sky how's all this going to happen you know, because if you, if you study the word, the, the water come up from the ground and watered everything. It didn't rain. It never never rained. There was never no water fall from the sky. It always came up out of the ground, kind of like what we have today and in, in what's called dew is the same thing back then. But I believe it was a little more closer to perfection because of the way things was back then. And God had designed the earth and stuff for man and made it to where it was perfect before the fall. And then after the fall took place, then everything began to disintegrate, began to, to uh, everything began to die over a period of time, and, and we're still in that digression, that, air, that 
um, that basically of everything just you know growing old and passing away, the whole earth and the universe and everything. But anyways, God warned Noah. He came to Noah and he told him, he said, man, he said, look, I'm fixing to destroy everything. I'm fixing to destroy the earth. Just the sin is getting so bad. Even prior to speaking to Noah, God looked down and saw the wickedness and he said, he said, you know, he basically repented for making man. He repented of uh, creating man because of how bad the sin was. And he was getting ready to wipe everything out. And then Noah found grace in, I, in the eyes of the Lord. And because of Noah's standing for God and him standing for righteousness and, and everything, he wasn't getting caught up in all that sin and everything that was going on. He kept his trust and his faith in the Lord. And because of that, God looked down on him and he, he got... Uh, looked down on Noah, and Noah got faith, got, um, Noah got, uh, grace in the eyes of the Lord. You know, he looked, God looked down on him, had favor towards him because of his, his standing for righteousness. So when that happened, God came to Noah and he told him what he was fixing to do. He told him, I'm fixing to wipe everything out. Fixing to wipe all of existence off, you know, off the face of the earth. And, um, you know, and I want you, in verse 14, he said, make thee an ark of gopher. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Rooms shalt thou make in the ark, and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. So basically he told him, I want you to make an ark. as a giant boat. Um, the, but the, the word ark there is, the definition of it is box. And that's what it is, is a box. Basically what it is, it was a, it was a huge ship, but it was, it was, uh, the way it was made was it was all closed in and sealed in. Because when everybody got on the ark, to keep the water from getting inside and to keep the water from filling the ark up, it had to be sealed, it had to be covered, it had to be closed in. So basically, Noah and his family got on board and God closed the door and closed up the ark and sealed it to keep any water from getting on so that way he could preserve them throughout the flood. But he told him, he said, I want you to make the ark out of gopher wood. And what's interesting here, when I looked up some of the definitions of gopher wood, because I was trying to find out what the what the uh, gopher tree was, and the closest thing that they um, that they found to the gopher tree, because that was the only place in the Bible where the word gopher or gopher tree was mentioned, is right here in this this verse, where he told where God told Moses, told Noah to make an ark of gopher wood. That was the only place in the Bible that word gopher was was mentioned. So I was like, you know, what kind of tree is the gopher tree? So I got to doing some research on it, and the closest thing to the gopher tree is they believe it was a cypress tree. And the cypress tree is, a, you know, it's a pretty resilient tree, and it cl grows close to water and everything and and, um, and stuff. And, you know, this tree, this bark, this wood was able to sustain water because you think about how long Noah was on the ark. Noah was on the ark for a little over a year, or a little less than a year. Almost a full year he was in the ark. He was out afloat on the flooded earth. So during that time, this wood had to withstand the water and the moisture and everything that, was, that the wood was staying in for a year's period, for a year's time. So and looking at that and looking at the wood that he used, that wood, I believe, was the, was the wood that God had, you know, had, had there for him for this particular time. But the word gopher, the meaning of it in the Hebrew, when I looked it up in the Hebrew to see what it meant, it said, meaning to house in or to close in. Meaning to house, house in, like a house. Make like a house for them to stay in. And I thought that was pretty interesting because thinking about how the ark was built, 
it was designed to hold all these animals and all these people, you know, Noah and his, his wife and his three sons and their wives, and plus all the animals that God had brought to him to put on the ark to preserve everything from the flood. So when the flood was over and the waters rescinded off the earth, and everything come off the ark, and it was able, it all was able to replenish the earth again. So in thinking about that, the house in he made it a, basically a floating village or a floating a floating home, big enough to sustain his family and all these animals. And I thought that was pretty interesting and pretty cool. And um, another definition is a kind of tree or wood, which we know that it was a wood that came from a tree, a gopher tree, to make this. And another thing, which it says apparently a cypress. That's what the Bible says. Apparently the cypress that the tree, that the gopher tree was apparently the cypress tree. So I thought that was pretty interesting. And then another one is uh, the word pitch there, where it says, let me read the verse again, because I want you to, I want to try to explain this the best I can to you. It says, uh, make thee an ark of gopher wood. Rooms shalt thou make in the ark. So he made rooms like a house. So basically the rooms was to, for his family to stay in. Rooms for all the different animals to stay in because he had to keep them all separated and everything. And keep, you know, the lions with the lions. Keep the uh, the sheep with the sheep. Keep the, you know, the goats with the goats and all that stuff. Had to keep them all in separate rooms. So this, this thing was really huge to be able to hold all these animals. And there was more than one layer of it and all that. More than one level rather. And, um, and everything but one door to get in and one door to get out and there was one window so think about that one door to get in God sealed that door when he put them all in there he sealed the door when nobody could get in nobody could get out and the window had to stay shut while the rain was falling and everything and so on and so forth but um, and I think it was pretty spectacular the way all this had happened and the way all this took place back then and um, you know I think that's pretty amazing just you know and um Especially how much water from basically um, in the heavens and in the earth it was enough to cover the earth like it did it was really interesting. But the next part of this was he said and after it said making uh, making the rooms in the ark, he said and shall and now shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. So basically on the inside and on the outside he had to pitch it with pitch. And here's what's interesting is these two words pitch here have two different definitions and there are two different words in the Hebrew. It, they both say pitch, but you got to look at the way that they're being used. It said, and, and thou shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. So basically pitching it, in other words, that's a verb. You're going to pitch it, being a verb, within and without with pitch, which is with the substance. Now I'm looking at these two words and, and when I looked them into the the Hebrew to see what they meant. They had some really interesting definitions to them. Um, one of them was to cover with a cover, to cover it up with a cover, like to shield it or protect it from something, put a protective covering over it. And um, another one was to make an atonement. The first word pitch, make an atonement, and to cleanse to forgive, to pitch, to purge away, to reconcile. Now thinking about this, when God's judgment came on the earth with the flood, with the waters of the flood, that was His judgment coming on the earth over all the, the sinful people and the ungodly people and the unrighteous people, the wickedness of the earth. 
was his his when his judgment came over the earth and he judged everything and flooded it flooded the earth with water the people that was in the ark was covered or they were they were to uh they were forgiven okay and they were reconciled to God by being protected in the ark so in other words in other words they were kept from judgment they were reconciled reconciled from judgment so when he was told to pitch it he was told told to reconcile it or to purge away now to purge away what? Well, for one thing, to purge away anything unclean. Because looking at the other word pitch, where it says to pitch it within and without with pitch, is to a village that's covered in. In other words, a village that's covered in, and um, a redemption price. So it would be to make an atonement with a redemption price. So he covered the ark, and it was an act of, of a an act of making an atonement with a redemption price. So, and, you know, we know that when he pitched it, he put basically like a tar substance on the ark, you know, to shield it from the water. But the same thing was the wood and the tar was protecting them from the judgment of God, which was the flood that covered the earth and wiped away all sin and ungodliness and and, and wickedness. So basically that ark and the, and the, the coating that he put, that Noah put on it, which was what God told him to do, is like a tar-type substance that he put on there to keep to seal the wood, to seal up all the cracks and everything, and to to help protect the wood from the water, and to pre- protect them on the inside from the water getting inside and filling the ark up and making it sink. So it would kept, so it basically kept it afloat, and everything that was on board was covered with the with the protection of God. And covered with the protection of the Lord from His judgment that was being brought upon the earth, and being brought upon all, every, all the sin and everything that was on the earth. So, um, the because think about it. I mean, it, the Bible says it rained for forty days and forty nights. That this rain poured down. That's a lot of rain. Now we've we've had some rains, you know, here during our time that lasted a while, and it, it got quite a bit of water from it. You know, a couple of hurricanes come through and drop a you know, a foot of water or a foot of a foot of rain or whatever. In some places, even more than that. And in some places, you've got mudslides and everything from so much water and so much rain that's being poured on the earth. But for 40 days and 40 nights, it was a constant downpour. The water just pouring, and not to mention the water that came up from the deep that broke up through the earth and helped flood the earth as well. And just basically a time of total chaos on the earth, you know, and wiping everything out. And that, I mean, a pretty uh, destructive thing happened at that time, just from the water and being from raining and pouring down for that long. So after 40 days and 40 nights, the Bible says that the, the highest peak or the highest mountain was covered at least 20, more than 20 feet deep of water that covered the highest point or the highest peak of the mountain. So nothing at all could survive it that wasn't on the ark. Anything that, that had to live on the land that had to breathe fresh air and had to stay dry or whatever, or couldn't survive under the water, basically had nowhere to go, nowhere to stay to where they could be protected, to where they could survive it. Because the water had gotten so hot. I mean, think about it. More than 20 feet deep of water, you can't, you're not going to be able to survive that for a whole year. Because the Bible says that it was, it was a 150 days, basically before they could even see any bit of, any bit of land. And the water was on the earth for, for about a year from the time that Noah was on the earth. And I'm going to give you some scriptures, a couple of scriptures here where you can see it to where 
you can look later on if you want to or whatever, but the uh, in Genesis chapter 7, verse 12, it says it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. And in Genesis chapter 7, verse 14, it tells how deep it was. It says that it was 15 cubits above the highest peak. It was 15 cubits. Okay, so 15 cubits is is more than 20 feet. When you figure it up into our measurements, a cubit, the, the 15 cubits is more than 20 feet deep. That's how deep the water was at the highest peak. So being that deep at the highest peak, think about how deep it would be at the lowest valley. You know, and, and it's, it was extreme, the, the water, the depth of the water. But in Genesis chapter 7, verse 11, it says, In the 600th year of Noah's life was when the rain started. In the 600th year of his life. In other words, he, he was 600 years old. And then on his 600th year, about a, a, a month and day into his 600th year, was when the rain started. Now, in Genesis eight thirteen through 14, it says, In the 601st year, so that's 601 years old, that Noah was. He, so 600 years, he was 600 years old when the rain started. He was 601 years old when the earth dried. And he was able to come off the ark and everything was back to normal. So that was a year that they were on this ark. That they had to that they had to survive the waters and live with all these animals and everything on the ark and live in protection of God in the ark. So you know, I think that was pretty amazing. But but when you think about the ark, okay, think that Noah had to build the ark. He had to, he had to go out and get the gopher wood and he had to assemble it and make it and form this this huge boat or this huge box to protect him from the judgment of God. Right, And he had to take that ark whenever he built it. And then he had to pitch it within and without. He had to cover it with a covering. He had to, to basically put a protective covering all over the whole ark to protect it from God's judgment. So think about that. And then think about ourselves living a Christian life where we are building a vessel of, of honor for the Lord spiritually inside of our body. We are building a... Or building a you know, a spiritual vessel for the Lord, a holy place, a holy temple for Him to dwell in. And we are protecting it with the blood of Jesus. We are applying the blood of Jesus to our lives to protect us from from judgment, to protect us from death. You know, because without the blood of Jesus on our life, and we stay living a life of sin, sin leads to death. Sin will, sin will take you to death. And, you know, whereas Jesus is life. And His blood applied to our lives protect us from sin and protect us from death. So in thinking about that, in the book of Exodus, whenever they were in in Egypt, in bondage in Egypt for all those years that they were there, and uh, 450 years, and they started to cry out to the Lord, and God called Moses to go bring them out of Egypt. So when He called Moses and He brought, He He pulled, He you know basically met him on the mountain, met him on Mount Sinai. And the burning bush. He got his attention with the burning bush that was burning without being consumed. So Moses took heed and he saw the bush burning. So he climbed up the mountain. And when he got up to the bush, a voice spoke to him and said, Remove your feet off, remove your shoes off your feet because you're standing on holy ground. So he took his shoes off and he began to talk to God. And God began to talk to him. And he told him that he wanted him to go to Egypt and bring his people out of Egypt, out of the bondage of Egypt. And everything, and had to uh, he had to go speak to Pharaoh. And of course, we know the whole conversation he was 
he said that he was a man that, that was, you know, he couldn't talk very well. He, he had a, a speech problem or whatever. So he told him, he said, well, I have prepared somebody to come and help you, you know. And he said, but just keep in mind, Moses, I'm the one that made your mouth. You know, you might say that you can't talk right, but I'm the one that made you. I'm the one that, that created you, that formed you. So I could help you speak is basically what he was telling him. But if you can't do it, Moses, I'm going to get somebody to come and help you. I'm going to get somebody to be your spokesperson for you. Whereas if Moses would have said, okay, Lord, then, and I'll let you help me. But instead he kept saying, he, he kept coming up with these, you know, excuses saying, God, I, I'm not someone that can go speak to Pharaoh. I mean, look who you have me go talk to. I can't even talk right. I, I, you know, I'm stuttering and everything and my, my words and stuff. He said, I won't be able to do that. So he let his brother Aaron come and meet with him. And then they both went and talked to Pharaoh. So when they went and talked to Pharaoh and everything, all this stuff happened, all the plagues come on, on Egypt because Pharaoh not wanting to let the people go. Well, the very last plague that was coming was the death angel. And the death angel was going to come through and was going to kill the firstborn of everything throughout all of Egypt and Goshen. Anything that didn't have the blood of the, blood of the lamb covering the doorpost. You get that, the blood of the lamb, and the blood of the lamb covering the doorpost. Now remember what I said about the ark, about when God closed the door of the ark. So it was the hand of God that kept the door closed, but the, the ark was pitched within and without with a protective covering to protect it and shield it from the judgment of the Lord. So the same thing looking over into Egypt, whenever whenever the death angel was fixing to come through, Moses went and told all of all of the Hebrew children in Goshen, he told them, he said, take... The blood of the lamb, take the take that blood and put it take a hyssop plant and put it on the doorpost and on the lintel. So in other words, covering the two side posts and the top post of the of the doorway. So it's the two side posts and the lintel. Cover it with the blood of the lamb. So when you do this and stay in your house, do not come out of the house. Think about the ark. They couldn't come out of the ark because if they would have, they would have drowned. Alright? So they had to stay in the protective covering of the ark. Same with in Egypt, they had to stay in their house after they put the blood on the doorpost covering the door so that when the death angel come by and it's seen the blood, it would pass their house by. Thus their firstborn would not pass, their firstborn would not die when the death angel come by because of the blood, the blood that was protecting the house. But you see, they took a hyssop plant to put the blood on the doorpost. So... The hyssop plant was, was used for that. The hyssop plant back in that day was used for, for different things, for applying different things. They used it to sprinkle the blood over the, the holy items in the tabernacle of the Lord and in the temple of the Lord. Um, they would use the, the hyssop plant to sprinkle the blood. They would use the hyssop plant to sprinkle the water, to sprinkle the oil, and all that all that different stuff they would use this hyssop plant for. And the hyssop plant, would grow. it grows like on walls and stuff like that. It's actually like an herb, and it's a mint herb, but it also uh, falls under the category of the trees that you use for Christmas trees and everything. I thought that was pretty pretty unique. And um, so this it's like a mint, like a minty herb, and, um, and it's got like a minty smell to it. But it, it was basically, it had the same material like a tree. Like I was saying earlier, the, it has the barky, you know, the bark stems and stuff, and it has leaves on it. So it falls in the category of a tree, the way it grows and stuff, and what it's made out of. But it was pretty interesting how they would take that hyssop and they would spread it, they would do that. And um, so in Exodus chapter 12, verse 22, is where I want to read this verse. 
This is where it's talking about what they needed to do before the death angel come through. And in uh, Exodus chapter 12, verse 22 and 23, it says, And ye shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and strike the lintel and the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out at that door of his house until the morning. For the Lord will pass through you to smite the Egyptians. And when he when he seeth the blood upon the lintel and on the two side posts, the, door, the Lord will pass over the door and will not suffer the destroyer to come, into, to come in unto your houses to smite you. So basically they had to do this in order to protect themselves from the death angel that was coming through the land that night. And as we know, the next morning when all that happened and Pharaoh lost his first son, his firstborn son, to the death angel, and he was grieved. He was grieving, and he was he was um, very unhappy and and everything that what had taken place. And he released the people, and we know all that happened in that time. But see, if they would not have taken that hyssop and done what God said and and put it, the blood over the lintel and over the doorpost then they would not have survived that night when the death angel come through. They would have lost their firstborn to the death angel as the death angel come through the land. Same as with Noah and his sons and his and their wives, that they would not have taken heed and obeyed God and made the ark the exact way the Lord said and, and pitched it within and without to put that protective coating or that protective covering over it, then they would have not survived the flood when all that happened and when all that took place. So you see, you have, they had to do it exactly the way the Lord said to do it. There was no cutting, no corners. There was no saying, okay, well, I think I can just let this part slide. and not, I don't have to do it this exactly the way God said. But no, we had, we got to do it exactly the way God says. Just like, in the, just like they had to in that day. Noah had to do it exactly the way God said. He had to make that, that boat exactly the way the Lord told him to do it. Otherwise, it would not have stayed afloat. And it would have not... It would have not sustained them for the whole year that the earth was covered with the water. And just like they couldn't have gotten out of the boat, they had to stay in the boat. They had to stay in there to be protected, to be to be protected from the the, the wrath of God and the, the destruction that was coming. And just like with the death angel, the same way with the with the Israelites, they had to stay within their house. They had to stay within that protective area. Just like God had said, and stay in there until morning, not come out of that house, had to stay right there, had to leave that door closed, and have the blood applied. That's just like with our lives, we have to have the blood applied. We have to have the blood of Jesus applied to our lives to cleanse us, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, and cleanse us from all iniquity and all sin. And then we have to try to live unto perfection, and live like the way God tells us to in this Word. We have to do it the exact way He tells us to do it. We have to live by the Word of God, and you know we have we have to. It's it's not something that that we can say. Well, I like this part, so I'm going to do this, but I'm going to leave this part out. No, we have to do the whole thing. We have to do it exactly the way God said. They had to do it exactly the way God said, and we have to do it the same way. And um, so thinking about that, thinking about the protective, you know, um, the gopher wood, how they had to put the the pitch on it to protect it and to cover it, to cover that that um, to cover that ship or that boat so that they could survive. And and thinking about that, and then thinking about our Christian life in First John verse one and seven. First John chapter one verse seven says, "But if you walk in the light, 
as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us cleanseth us all from sin. So the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us all from sin. His blood. His blood is what cleanses us from sin. There's nothing else that can cleanse us. There's no animal sacrifice that is worthy to cover the sin of man. And when the Old Testament, when they were when they were performing these sacrifices to cover their sins, to cover their lives, you know, to cover their sins, it was not perfect. It was not perfect sacrifice. It was not perfect blood. The only one that had the perfect blood and the perfect sacrifice was Jesus which was God manifested in the flesh, God's Spirit overshadowed Mary, and she conceived and became became pregnant with a child. And then when she had that child, that child, its dad, its father was God. There was no earthly father that was the father of that child. And he lived a sinless life, a perfect life, Didn't never, never faltered, never committed any sin. He was perfect, a perfect life that he lived. And he died for us, for our sins, so that we could, so we could be redeemed back to God. So we have to apply that blood to our lives because if we don't, then our sins are not covered. Our sins are not are not protect. We're not protected from the wrath of God because He can see our sin because our sin is keeping us separated us from God. So we have to have the blood of Jesus applied to our lives. So it says here, because the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us all from sin. Cleanses cleans cleans our sin. It just washes it away. But you know something that is pretty pretty awesome is if you look back in the Old Testament, David even spoke about purge me with hyssop so I would be clean. See he, he knew he knew that one day there was going to be a perfect sacrifice that was going to come. A perfect sacrifice that was going to come and wash away man's sins. But in first Corinthians chapter six verse eleven, I want to read this verse first. First Corinthians chapter six verse eleven says a few verses up, Paul is talking to the church of Corinth. He's talking about the sinful people and the sinful things, telling how the fornicators and the idolaters and all them they will not inherit the kingdom of the kingdom of heaven. They'll never see heaven. They will never make it there because of their sin and their their wickedness and everything. Their you know their fornication and their adultery and all the different things that that he mentioned here and the idolaters and their idolatry, them having idols before the Lord and stuff. All these things. Abusers of themselves of mankind, all all those different sins that was mentioned here, it will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. It says here in verse eleven, it says, "And such were some of you, all right? Before anybody comes to the Lord, they're a sinner. Whether they're doing these things or whether they just haven't come to the Lord yet, you are born into sin. The sin is the the fleshly nature of man. So we're all born into sin." But if you're amongst those that's doing those other things, you know you're still you're still a sinner either way. But basically, he was saying, as and such were some of you. In other words, some of us were like that. Some of us were idolaters. Some of us were fornicators. Some of us were doing these things that we're not supposed to do. But because we came to the knowledge of the Lord and, and God saved us and called us out of all that and made us a new creature in Him, so now now we're no longer doing those things. So that means that we wore that away, but now we're not. He says, but ye, but ye are washed, ye are sanctified, ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. 
See, we are washed, we're clean. Our sins are washed away. They're purged from us. We are clean, we're cleansed by the blood of Jesus Christ that comes in and washes those sins away and covers them up. That scarlet blood that makes us white as snow when we're washed in it. And we're sanctified. Sanctified means we're made holy. We're made holy items before the Lord. Just like they would walk into the temple, they would enter into the tabernacle of the Lord or the temple of the Lord. They'd go in there and they would sprinkle the blood on these, on the different things that was in the temple. They would sprinkle it on the, on the candle, the candlestick, the candelabra. They would sprinkle it on the, the altar of incense. They would sprinkle it on, on the table of showbread. They would sprinkle it on the labor and all that different things. And then they, every, everywhere in the temple they would sprinkle the blood. And then they would enter in beyond the veil to the, where the Ark of the Covenant sat and they would sprinkle the blood on the Ark of the Covenant. And then Jesus would come down and sit on the, sit in between the cherubs on the mercy seat and he would commune back and forth with the, with the priest, with the high priest in, inside that area. But you see, they had to do all of that exactly perfect and do it exactly the, the way God said it. So they would sanctify the artifacts. They would sanctify the holy items in the temple and in the tabernacle. With the blood of the sacrifice, the blood of the Lamb. Just like God does us with His blood, His perfect blood that He shed for us on Calvary. He sprinkles us in His blood. He washes us. He purges away our sins with His blood. He washes us and makes us clean. So He makes us holy. He sanctifies us with His blood. So we are washed in His blood to make us sanctified and holy before the Lord. And we're justified in other words, our sins are cast away as far as the east is from the west. We're justified by His sin. We're just by His. We're justified from sin by His blood, by His sanctification process. So that's what that means there. And it's all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. When you pray, you're supposed to say, "In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ." Whatever we do, whatever we do, we do for the Lord. We're supposed to do it in the name of Jesus Christ. If you baptize somebody and, and baptize them down, we're supposed to baptize them in the name of Jesus Christ. We're supposed to do all these things in the name of Jesus. Because see, we're justified and we're sanctified and our sins are washed away by the name of Jesus Christ, by His blood. That's what the no other name above any, any name. That's the highest name of all, above all names, is the name of Jesus Christ. The one that lived the perfect life so He could so he could die on the cross for our sins and His perfect blood be worthy enough to cover the mercy seat in heaven, to cover the sins of all mankind from all from the very beginning of all things, very beginning of all, the very beginning of time, all the way up till the very end, all sin can be covered with the Lord, with the, with Jesus' blood that He died for us and He shed for us, so we can be redeemed back to Him. And that perfect covering, in Psalms chapter fifty-one. What I was saying a minute ago about about David, I love this verse here. Um, I say it a lot because this, this is an awesome verse. And, and if you think about the meaning of it, I mean, I think it, it means a lot. It's got a um, really awesome meaning to it. It says in Psalms 51 verse 7, it says, Purge me with hyssop, and I, will, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. David, I believe, was talking about the blood of Jesus purging. Purge me, Lord, with hyssop. In other words, take where he was, he was talking about where they took that hyssop a bunch of hyssop in their hand. They dipped it in the blood of the lamb, and they put it on the doorpost to cover to cover them from the death angel. He was referring to that hyssop, that same hyssop that they used, that same hyssop that they used to sprinkle the blood in the tabernacle of the Lord. That same hyssop, because see, the temple wasn't built until Solomon. 
So they had to have the, the tabernacle. When they brought the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem, they, they built a, a makeshift tabernacle just like Moses had in the wilderness to keep the Ark of the Covenant in. And the priests would, would work out of that tabernacle and everything. And, and the sacrifices took place for the sins of the people in that tabernacle. And it was all set up just like Moses had it in the wilderness. But they would take the, the hyssop even then and they would sprinkle the blood on the on the, the different things in the tabernacle and, and sprinkle the blood over the, the priests and stuff and, and the, 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 you know, the water and all to cleanse the tabernacle. And that's what David was referring to here. When he's seen how they would do that, he's seen how they would go in and they would cleanse, you know, they would, they would sprinkle the blood on everything. And he said, purge me with hyssop, Lord. Lord, take the hyssop, God, and purge me so that I can be clean. He says, purge me with the hyssop and I shall be clean, God. Take your blood, Lord, and, and wash me with it, God. Take your blood and, and cleanse my sins away, Lord. Wash these sins off of me. Wash them away, God, so that I can be, and so that I can be whiter than snow, Jesus. That's what he was saying. Lord, take this hyssop, God. Take your blood, Lord, and wash me. Wash my sins away, God. Cleanse me, Lord, and make me whole. And that's what he was saying here. And I think that's a pretty awesome verse. And we, we need to ask God, Lord, forgive me, Jesus, for anything that I've done today. That's not right, Lord. Any sins that I've committed, even the ones, Lord, that I, the ones that I know about where I lost my cool earlier today or whatever the case may be, where somebody cut me off in traffic and I, I got upset with them, you don't even you don't have to to you know say something bad, but if you get upset and you you look at them wrong, you know it, it doesn't matter. You blow your horn at them, you know that it's not right. You're showing a, a form of anger whether you know it or not. But you know those different those little things and stuff that we do that that we act out and whatever the case may be, um, you could sin knowingly or sin not knowingly. You know uh, accidents happen. We're we're dealing with the flesh so that's why every night we should ask god every moment of the day when we think about it ask god to forgive us for you know lord forgive me jesus for you know for my shortcomings that's a good way to look at it your shortcomings because we've all fallen short of the glory of god but it's by his grace and his mercy that we're able to to continue you know it's by his grace and his mercy that we're saved the mercy of god looking down on us and calling us out of, of the life of sin and bringing us to him and washing us with His blood so He can redeem us back to Him. That's the mercy of God. That's when God looks down and He has mercy on us. You know, He looks down and He has mercy on us when we don't want to listen. We get all hard-headed and stiff-necked and want to do our own thing and go and do what we want to do. Instead of saying, Lord, I'm sorry, Jesus, forgive me for that, God. Help me get back on the right course. You know, cover me with Your blood, Lord. Wash me clean, Jesus. You know, protect us. Put that protective covering over me. Cover me, Lord, with that protective covering. Just like the Ark of the Covenant when they would pitch it with pitch. Cover me, Lord, with that with that protective covering, God. Protect me, Lord. Lord Jesus, wash me and cleanse me. Wash away my sin, God, and, and get purge me away, purge it away from me. And bring me back, Lord, to that level of perfection. Help me get to that level level of perfection, God, that you want me at. And keep me there, Lord, and help me to stay there. Lead God and direct my footsteps and, and show me the path that you want me to be on, Lord. And help me, God, to stay under that protective covering, Lord, and stay under your wings, God, that protect me and keep me safe and protect me from the world and protect me from the ungodly and the, the unrighteous and protect me from all that. God, keep me covered with your with your protective covering, Lord. You know, we have to, it's a, it's a constant everyday thing. Paul said, I die daily. And what he meant by that, he said, 
He puts the flesh under subjection to the Lord every day. In other words, he puts that, that man back in the grave so that the righteous one can stand up and keep walking and keep the, the unrighteous one in the grave. Because that flesh that we deal with every day, we have to keep it under subjection to the Lord. That's all, all thoughts that, that are contrary to what, what God says. All thoughts that are against anything in the Lord, we need to keep them under subjection to the Lord and to His thoughts and to His righteousness. And it's something that's a constant everyday battle that we got to face, that we got to go through. So we need to pray and ask God to help us and pray and ask God to keep His blood on our lives and keep our sins washed away from us and help us to stay righteous in His eyes and help us and show us and lead God and direct us. Let His grace guide you. Let His grace lead you. That's what His grace is for us, to lead us unto righteousness. His grace doesn't give us the right to sin. His grace leads us unto righteousness. It's not, it's not a covering to protect you from sin. His mercy is what protects you. His mercy, when He looks down on you and sees you doing something wrong and you know good and well you shouldn't be doing it, that's the mercy of God that you don't drop dead right there in your sin and end up splitting hell wide open. That's His mercy. When He looks down and sees you messing up and sees you doing something that you know good and well you shouldn't be. That's the mercy of God that He doesn't strike you, that He, you know, that He doesn't allow you to, to die in your sin. Let me put it that way because a lot of people, you know, can take things the wrong way. But it's not, you know, anyways, God can let you die in your sin. You know, that can happen. That, that does happen to people. So we have to be careful. We have to make sure because if you, the Bible says if you sin willfully knowing that it is wrong and you do it anyhow, there remains no more sacrifice for sin. So if you know it's a sin, you know you ain't supposed to be doing it, and you're doing it and saying, well, you know, God's forgive me for it, He'll forgive me for it again, He'll forgive me for it again, and you just keep blatantly doing it, and, and you know, just doing it because you want to do it, because you desire to do it, knowing good and well you shouldn't, that's not a good thing to get in the habit of doing, because it can be very dangerous for your soul. But... You know, God's grace enables us to live right. That's what God's grace does. It helps us and it leads leads us and guides us and directs us unto righteousness. And we need to strive for that level of perfection that God's got for us. We should be gaining ground, not losing ground. Sometimes we get pushed back a little bit, but we need to get back up and keep going, keep pressing on, keep pushing forward, keep pressing towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus and try to make it to that expected in that he has for us stay within the ark don't climb out the window and jump out because you know something you're not happy with in the in the ark you know so think about all that noah went through and his family that they went through the you know everything the smells and all that and stuff for a whole year they had to put up with all of that that they had to stay confined in that in that boat floating out on water and knowing that everything on the earth was being being annihilated and the whole earth is being changed and being torn apart and their whole reality just being just being completely turned upside down and not having any idea what's going to happen whenever the waters went off the earth and they got back on ground and how things were going to be I, I couldn't imagine what they were thinking while they was in that knowing that all this was going on outside and knowing that they had to stay in there to stay protected you know and just the just the things that they were looking at that was going on. 
there's not anything that us today suffer. I mean, we got it made, you know, compared to what they had it back then and some of the lives that these people lived in the, in the Bible days and stuff, you know. And looking at what they went through and what they faced and what we face, and we let sometimes the little things separate us from God because we want to get upset and get aggravated with things. You know, but we need to stay in the ark. We need to keep the ark, stay within it, and keep that covering protecting us. We need to keep the blood of Jesus covering our lives. We need to ask Him, God, forgive me, Lord, and keep me, Lord, and protect me, Lord, and cover me with Your blood. Lord, cover my life with Your blood. Plead the blood of Jesus over yourself. Plead the blood of Jesus over your family. Plead the blood of Jesus over your loved ones. Plead the blood of Jesus over your friends and over your co-workers. Ask God to save them. Ask God to deal with the heart. If they're not saved and they don't know the Lord, ask God to reveal Himself to them. Witness to them. Tell them about God. But plant that seed in them and let God bring forth the increase. And then pray and ask God, Lord, help them, Jesus. Lord, cover them, Lord. I plead the blood over their lives, God. Save them, Lord. Reveal yourself to them, Lord. Show them who you are, God. Just open, wake them up in the middle of the night, Lord. And reveal yourself to them in a special way, God. Let them know who you are. Let them know, Jesus, that you care about them. Deal with their heart. Tug at their heart, God. Work on them, Lord. Change them. Save them, God. You know, we, we need to do that. But not just cover ourselves with the blood of Jesus, but cover our families, our loved ones, and anybody else out there that, that needs saved, that needs salvation. You know, we need to reach people, and and we need to do this. We it's a, it's, Time is wrapping up. It's coming to an end. There's, we're coming to a close of another cycle that's going to bring us into the thousand-year millennium of Christ, thousand-year millennium of the Lord. And that's coming up in the very near future. We, we don't have much longer in this world. We don't have much longer in, in this life. So we need to make sure we're ready. We need to make sure that we're ready to go. And we need to try to get as many people as we can into the kingdom of the Lord. Win as many people as we can to God. So that's... Um, see, Noah, even though the people looked at him like he was crazy, because like I was saying, it never rained. So I can imagine how the people looked at him when he's telling them there's a flood coming, there's a flood of waters coming, there's a great deluge fixing to come over all the earth and it's going to cover the entire earth. I imagine they looked at him like he was crazy, sitting there building a boat, you know, this huge boat, and they're, you know, just the people um, bashing him with their words and stuff and, and probably calling him stupid and calling him an idiot and why are you building that for? What are you doing that for, Noah? You know, you really think it's going to rain? And all this stuff, and but he did it anyways, even in the face of adversity, even though what was being said to him and what was coming against him, he'd done it anyhow because God told him to do it. So regardless of what people think about us, or regardless of what people, how people look at us, regardless of what they say to us when we try to to tell them about God and try to warn them what's coming, regardless of what we hear, regardless of, of you know the verbal abuse or whatever the case may be that we have come against us, we still need to take a stand just like Noah did and warn people and tell everybody what's coming. Tell people that the Lord's coming back. Tell people that this thing is fixing to wrap up and we need to be ready to go because it's coming up fast. It's fast approaching us. And, you know, and I know that saying, you know, our forefathers has been saying that. I've been told that before. I've been saying that for years. That's what I've been told that. Uh, you've been saying that for years and it ain't happened yet. 
Yeah, but the closer it gets, the more you can see that it's coming. And no man knows the day or the hour. That's why we can't put a date on it. But we can see the season. And we're in that season right now. We can see the things coming. And it's fast approaching us. And it's rapidly setting up the, the table for the Antichrist. So we need to be ready. But, but get the warning out there. Tell people about the Lord. Tell people that Jesus is coming back. Warn them. Just like Noah did. Regardless of what they're going to say to you. Regardless of how they're going to look at you. They need to be ready. They need to be warned. They need to be told what's coming. So, I hope this helped you tonight. And um, I know this was, a, this was a little different tonight. But, but uh, you know, um, that's some pretty interesting stories in the Bible. The, the flood and the ark and, and all that that took place. And the story of Egypt is one of my favorite, one of my favorite stories. Um, I've always loved that about Moses and how he brought the people out of Egypt and everything. And uh, went into the wilderness and stuff around Mount Sinai and everything. And I, I love that story of Moses and all. But there's so much in it that we can learn from. There's so much in it that we can be taught from. That we can that can help us in our walk with God. And even with, with Noah. Because you see the integrity of Noah regardless of what was coming against him. You see his integrity that he had for the Lord. And his, his willingness to take a stand for what he knew was right. And um, you know we can learn that from him in the the protection of God that God put on his life and stuff. But um I hope this helped you tonight. If you got if you like it, if you enjoyed it, um please share it. Help me get the word out. If you think any of your you know anybody that you know might be interested in it or whatever might like it, might enjoy it. I ask you to share it, help me get the word out there and all and um thank you for watching and uh, see y'all next time. Love you. God bless.